0: You know, I guess I'm, I'm supposed to talk. I, I need to clear up our Christmas decorations, I guess, because, you know, I mean, everybody seems so shocked about us decorating for Christmas. I mean, you know, but, uh, you know, I love Christmas. I sing Christmas carols all year long. Uh, our children go to bed singing Christmas carols. That's just that's just our family. That's who we are. And like I told some people a while ago, uh, you know, we celebrate Christmas on December 25th, which means Mary would be eight months pregnant. That's baby shower time. I'm just decorating for the shower to be prepared. So <laughs> that's the way I see it. You know, a man went to the doctor for a checkup. And uh, of course, you know, you go in there with the, uh, the nurse and she asks all the questions. And she asked him, so how much do you weigh? He said, weigh about 160. Step up on the scale for me. stepped up on the scale and it said 168. Said, how tall are you? Said, I'm 5'11. She went over there measured him. He was 5'9. She said, Do you have normal blood pressure? And he got real quiet. And he thought for a minute. She looked at him and she said, Well, do you? And after looking at her for a minute, he said, How can you expect my blood pressure to be normal? I came in here a tall, slender man, and you've already made me short and fat. This morning, we are looking at a well-known Bible story about a man with high aspirations but physical shortcomings. You know, the only time you ever feel a shortcoming is truly a shortcoming is when someone or something points out that shortcoming. Um, you know, it's the it's the short person who the tall person walks up to and puts his elbow on top of their head. It's the the rude tendency of people in class to to laugh at. The person who reads the wrong letters or the wrong sounds as they're reading out loud. You know, you never really feel fat, even if you are, uh, until you shop for clothes. Or if you sit in a smaller chair, or you just forget how, how much you uh, weigh. About 100 pounds ago, I was young, um, and I was dating a girl. See, Carrie's not here, I can tell this story. Uh, I was dating a girl and uh, went to her family's house to meet them for dinner. And they had some of those, you know, 70s-style chairs that were set in a sea. And I sat down and sat back. That was the wrong thing to do. Because as I sat down, that chair went, and I went, oh, no, I broke their chair. You never realize these things until they're pointed out. And our passage today finds Zacchaeus in in one of those situations. Um, We probably all heard the story of Zacchaeus. We sing the song, but it's not just a children's story. There is so much more in the story that we as adults uh, can, can take from it. And so this morning we are in Luke chapter 19. If you have your Bible, you can turn with me there. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And there it says, He entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus who was the chief tax collector and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because today I must stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain, he's gone to lodge with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too was a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now. And we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel and the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you for coming as our sacrifice. And we ask all of these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for His sake, Father. And all God's people said, Amen. As we look at the background of this story, it takes place in Jericho. You know, We know about Jericho in the Old Testament. We know about the walls tumbling. We know those things. But Jericho in New Testament times is in many ways an Eden. It is, a, it is a, an oasis in the middle of the desert. It's on all of the main shipping routes. Every pleasure or carnal sin you can imagine is available there at your fingertips in Jericho. There is a profit to be made by the right person, and it's a nice life that can be lived there. And in the midst of all of this, you have Zacchaeus, a tax collector. Not just a tax collector, a chief tax collector. Now, you have to understand that in Rome, taxes were a pyramid scheme. Now, some of you may say ours is, but this is even worse, I promise, because they farmed this out. This wasn't a government agency. This was a group of people who were hired, and so Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. And under him, he would have another level of tax collectors. And so he would tell them, I need this much taxes. But he would add a little bit to that. If he needed 10%, he'd tell them he needs 15%. So he'd get his extra five. So he'd make money that way. Well, the people below him would then say, well, I need 15%. Well, they would add their two or three percent. So then it becomes 18%. And then they had people below them. And so you had several levels of this Ponzi scheme of taxes. And Zacchaeus said at the top, this man seemingly had everything. He was rich. He could buy anything he wanted. He had people who reported to him. But then he hears that Jesus is coming. And he just has to see. He has to find his place. Have you ever gone to a parade and got there last minute and tried to find a spot to watch the parade come by? Now imagine that you're Zacchaeus. He's a short man. He walks up and the crowd is packing the streets. There are people there just to see Jesus. We see so many stories of people come by saying, if I could just touch his robe, if I could just speak to him, if he will just talk to me. And Zacchaeus wants to see. He gets there. The crowd's too big and he's short and he has such a desperation to see Jesus. He has such a need to find out where he is and who he is that he does something unthinkable for a person in his position. He climbs a tree. Now, he had to be smaller than me because I don't climb trees. But Zacchaeus climbs a tree. Now think about this. He's wearing robes. He's wearing sandals. He doesn't have good old climbing gear on. He climbs the tree. He's hanging up there just hoping that he can catch a glimpse of Jesus. And then Jesus comes walking along. And Jesus gets to that exact tree and he stops under it. I imagine at that moment Zacchaeus' heart was pounding in his chest. Please don't look up. Please don't look up. This is the chief tax collector in a tree just to see Jesus. Don't look up. Don't look up. And then Jesus looks up. And he says, come down because I have to stay in your house today. Don't look up. Ever met the man. Don't look up. He says, Zacchaeus, I've been looking for you. Come down here. I need to go to your house. And we see this radical change in Zacchaeus. We see what happens. It's more than a children's story. The first thing that you see in this story is that Zacchaeus is defined by what he does rather than who he is. Even when you look in the text, the writer, Luke the doctor, says there was a man named Zacchaeus a tax collector, a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He's a chief tax collector. He's rich. He's a sinner. These are all things that he does, but they aren't who he is. You know, many times we get caught up in defining ourselves and other people by what they do rather than by defining them by who they are. We define people by their careers. Zacchaeus is the tax collector. So and so is the sheriff. This person's a teacher. This person's an engineer. This person's a bartender. We define them by what they have. They're rich, they're poor, they have a nice car, they have a nice house, they're musical, they're short, they're tall, they're fat, they're skinny, they're blonde, they're redhead. We find them by their relationships. They're married, they're divorced, that so and so's son, that so and so's nephew, that so and so's something else. We define them by what they have. We define them by what they do. They're a drinker, they're promiscuous, they're a gambler, they're a sinner. But you know, when we define people by what they do, rather than who they are, we shape their lives. the easiest one to look at for me is pastor. If I define myself as pastor, it's easy for me to pour myself only into ministry and neglect other areas of my life. I can begin to neglect the things that, that, that need taking care of in my family. I can begin to neglect my own spiritual formation and my own time with Jesus. If all I define myself as is what I do and what my calling is, I've lost something of who I am, and I've shaped my life into something that doesn't need to be. If others define me in that way, and only in that way, it changes how they react to me. I was leading youth in a church one time, and I was standing outside the local convenience store talking to one of the the members of the church, and he was there smoking his cigarette, talking to me. The pastor drove up, and he stepped behind me, put his cigarette behind him, and put the cigarette out. And then the pastor came up and started talking to him. And he walked away. I I let him have his anonymity at that point. And I said, why did you do that? (laughs) Well, that was the pastor. So? What's the difference between me seeing you do this and him seeing you do that? We're both just believers and we both get to heaven. We're both going to hear the same phrase. It's the same thing. But people begin to change their actions. You know, they'll put out the cigarette. They'll throw out the beer. They'll change the music because... You know, some people think that I sit at home and listen to Benedictine monks chant hymns. That's not what I do. I have a very full musical life, the things that I like to listen to. And it ranges from everything. You would be shocked at what I hear. And people often change their language around me. (laughs) You're laughing. No, no, no. Pastor's life can be a very lonely life. Because nobody sometimes wants to be the pastor's friend. Because when you're the pastor's friend... He knows too many things. Maybe the only lonelier place in the world might be a pastor's wife. If we define somebody as a teacher, if you define yourself as a teacher, maybe you think all you can do is teach. That's all I'm able to do. If others define you as a teacher, all we may offer you is teaching. Oh, you're a teacher. Come teach Sunday school. But maybe their gifting is somewhere else. Maybe they're called to do something else. When we define people by what they do we can find God's ability to work in our eyes. I'll see it when I believe it. They've said that before. That's old so and so's ex. That's old so and so's child. That's old so and so's parent. We begin to view people as lost causes. God isn't going to work there. Rather than Seeing these unchangeable ways as incredible opportunities for God to work, we think God won't work and we miss many times what God has for us. Um, If you've watched the news at all in the past couple of months, you've seen a lot about a musician by the name of Kanye West who has publicly come out and said that he has given his life to Jesus. He went from a song that he was popular for calling himself God to putting out an entire album of gospel music proclaiming Christ as Lord. But it's very disheartening to watch as believer after believer on social media and on news networks come out and say, well, I'll believe it when I see it. That's kind of what they did to Paul, wasn't it? Or Saul at that point. Oh, Paul? Wasn't he the one who was just trying to kill us? I don't really know that God could do that. The problem is we serve a God who can do pretty much anything. He does the impossible. That's in his job description. And so when we look at these things, Zacchaeus here is defined by what he did. He's a tax collector. He's a a sinner. He does all of these things that he shouldn't be doing. And Jesus, you shouldn't even be hanging around with him. You shouldn't have anything to do with him because he's a sinner. But Jesus wants us to invest in and wants to invest himself in people like Zacchaeus. You know, when you look at this, have you ever seen Shark Tank? You know, you, see, you watch Shark Tank and, and, and people bring their business ideas in front of four billionaire investors and they try to get them to invest in their business. Can you imagine Zacchaeus on that show making a pitch? Mark Cuban and the others would rip him apart in the interview because he's corrupt in his dealings with people. He's a cheater. He's a fraud. No investor is going to put their good money in an individual like that. Sometimes people say, I'm going to take a chance on you. I don't care about your product. I'm investing in you. But in Zacchaeus' case, no way. Nobody's going to invest in that. But we're not talking about worldly situations here. We're not talking about that. We're talking about kingdom things. And the truth is, Jesus wants us to invest in these people. He wants us to put our time and our energy into people like that. He wants us to take that gamble and put our faith out there and reach out to those the world has given up on. People in this world as a whole had given up on Kanye West. There's no way that man's ever going to be saved. And I'll admit, when I first heard it, I went, huh. But as I listened to the things that he said, as I've listened to him to do a 180, If I've listened to him say, my daughter's no longer going to dress like that because it's not appropriate. As I listened to him put out an entire message of gospel music. As I've listened to other artists like the rapper Lecrae who stepped up this week and said, You know, Kanye's new album isn't my favorite of his musically, but it sure is my favorite of his content-wise. You know, you you find that God does these things and He invests in people that the world has given up on and He wants us to invest Him. He wants us to invest His love. He wants us to invest His gospel into those like Zacchaeus. Those who are forgotten, who are defined by what they do rather than by who they are. And that's the exact investment that God is making all the time. It's what He makes here in verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Why does he do that? Well, Jesus sees Zacchaeus as Zacchaeus. That's the amazing thing here. Luke said, there's a man named Zacchaeus, a a tax collector. Jesus didn't walk up to the tree and say, hey, tax collector, come down. He said, Zacchaeus, come down. When Jesus begins to talk to us and call us, he calls us by name. You know, there on the day of the resurrection, when Mary was still there crying and Mary Magdalene, she's like, I don't know where he's at. And she turns around and thinks he's a gardener. What does he say to calm her down? He says one word. He says, Mary. He says her name. Jesus sees Zacchaeus as Zacchaeus. Jesus comes to town, stops under a tree, and calls down by name a man he has never met because he knows him. Because he knows who he is. He sees Zacchaeus for who he is. Created by God and separated by sin with this hole in his life. Lonely. Trying to stuff all sorts of material goods into this empty spot that nothing will ever fill. He's simply a sinner in need of a Savior. And what does he do? He calls him down and he invests in his life. He didn't care what others were thinking. He didn't say, oh well maybe instead of going to Zacchaeus' house, I should go to the local cafe because that'll be in public and people won't talk. No, he said, Zacchaeus, you come down because I'm going to your house today. I'm going to go stay with you. He wasn't, he's a tax collector. He's too far gone. He went to his house and he spent time with him. We've got to pray that God would allow us to see people as he sees people. His creation, fallen, Hurt, prideful, in desperate need of someone to see them for who they are rather than what they do. Because the most amazing part of this story is that when we invest Jesus into someone, it can bring a radical change. I don't think we put enough emphasis on what Zacchaeus does here. Do you understand what he's done here? He says... The crowd, the religious people say, he's going to go be with a sinner. Can't believe he would do that. Zacchaeus, without any prompting, without anything else having to happen, without Jesus even saying anything, Zacchaeus says, hey, wait, Jesus, wait, Lord, listen, what I'm going to do. I'm going to give away half of what I have and give it to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anybody, I'm going to pay back four times as much. He gives away half of what he owns. He's going to pay back four times as much of anything as extorted. The man's giving it all away. He's not keeping anything. He says, Jesus, everything I have is yours. I'm going to give it to the poor. I'm going to give it back to people. I'm going to care for people and love on people. He's redefining what he does. Because before his job was, I'm going to take and take and take and take and take. And now he's going to give and give and give. God can change even the most difficult of cases. He can make a cheater honest. He can make a liar truthful. He can make someone who's promiscuous faithful. He can make a sinner into a saint. Zacchaeus was a little man who was made to feel even smaller by a very big sin. How many other people in the world feel just like that? Are we treating them like Jesus did? Or are we treating them like Jericho did? Now, I spent our time this morning saying how we can minister to those who were like Zacchaeus. But right now, I just want to take a minute to talk to you if you feel like Zacchaeus this morning. I have four things to say to you this morning. They're the exact same things that I've said to everybody who may not, who may be wanting to minister to Zacchaeus, but they're said in a different way. Because this morning, if you feel like Zacchaeus, you are not defined by what you do. Doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter where you've been, doesn't matter how badly you think you have fallen, you are not defined by what you do. That's the first thing that Jesus would say. Second thing I want to say is that Jesus would invest, wants to invest in your life. He wants to invest Himself, His love, His energy, and His salvation into your life. He is there for you. And Jesus sees you as you. And that's a good thing and a bad thing because He sees you warts and all. When Jesus looks at you, He sees you. He doesn't see what you do, what you've done, what you're called. He sees you. And He looks into you and He loves you where you are. He loves you as you are. And he will change what he wants to change. It's not my job. It's not Barry's job. It's nobody else's job to change you. God changes who God's going to change. And he changes them how he's going to change them. What we are called to do is love. Because the last thing is, Jesus would say this morning is he wants to bring a radical change in your life. He wants to be something completely different. He wants to take up everything of your life and say, okay, here it is. I've got this for you. I've got so much more than you could ever imagine. We live in a world full of Zacchaeuses. Say that five times fast. Zacchaeuses. To reach that forgotten section of our society, we have to be seeing people as God sees people and investing Jesus in their lives in hopes that he'll bring a radical change. It's so easy to forget that not everybody's comfortable walking into the church doors. When you're comfortable being in church, it's easy to walk into church. But when you're not, it's hard. Jesus didn't say, Zacchaeus, you come down because we're going to church today. He said, Zacchaeus, you come down because I'm going to your house today. If we're going to reach the Zacchaeuses of this world, we have to be who we are in this room, out of this room. We have to love people as they are, where they are, and allow God to begin to change in their life. You know, and, and I, you know, I can hear the arguments, but you know, blah, 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 sin. Okay. I didn't say I condone everything people do. I said I love them because Jesus called me to love them. I can help guide them to the truth, but I sin every day. My sin's just a little different than their sin. My sin's different than your sin. If we're going to invest Jesus into people, we have to see people like Jesus sees people. We have to love people like Jesus loves people. And that means. Possibly the greatest hope you hear in the Bible is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Maybe this morning you've been a citizen of Jericho. Maybe you have cut off access to the Savior by the way that you live and by the way that you act and react. Now's the time to repent and say, Jesus, I want to be the open door that people can walk through and find your love. Maybe this morning you've been Zacchaeus and you've been pounding on the doors trying to find a way in, trying to squeeze through the crowd and you're so desperate that you're going to climb a tree. Jesus is looking for you. And if we'll just stop and call out to Him, I promise you He will answer wherever you are. But maybe this morning you have some other need. You just want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to surrender to missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe you want to rededicate your life to following Jesus and being His witness in this community and this world. But maybe this morning, Maybe you are like Zacchaeus, and you didn't know Jesus, and you don't know Jesus right now, and you want to know Jesus desperately. You want to make that decision. You want to say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. There's no better time. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not guaranteed this next moment. I'm not guaranteed we're not going to walk out the door and get hit by a car in the road. Let now be the time. Walk this aisle. And all you got to say is, Brother Troy, I want to know Jesus, and we'll go from there. But wherever your need, whatever, whatever it is that you're dealing with, give it to Him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that, uh, that you would take this time, Father, that you would move in it to, in a mighty way, that you would make yourself known that uh, no need what would go unmet today. Father, if there is anyone here who does not know you as Savior, if there is anyone here who is in danger of not spending eternity with you in heaven, don't let them walk out these doors without, without coming down and saying, I want to know Jesus. Father, if if they can't during this moment, let them seek one of us out after church. Father, use this time for your glory. Bless this time. We thank you for it, Jesus. And we ask all these things in your name. Amen.